Well, hello again. Continuing our study in 1 John, we are now in chapter 2, verses 25 through 29 in our uh, men's ministry, uh, men's breakfast study here at the Rock Community Church. And just a quick plug once again that we gather uh, as a group of men every Wednesday at a location in Anaheim Hills. Um, and so we'd love anyone out there to join us. Uh, if you want more information, go to our website, trcclive.org. And uh, we hope to see you there so you can join us in fellowship and study of God's Word. So, uh, as I said, we're in 1 John chapter 2, verses 25 through 29. So I'm going to jump right in and read our passage, and then we'll, we will um, <clears throat> unpack it. So, starting in verse 25, it says, This is the promise which he himself made to us, eternal life. These things I have written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. As for you, the anointing which you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need for anyone to teach you. But as his anointing teaches you about all things, and is true and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, you abide in him. Now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears... We may have confidence and not shrink away from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you know that everyone also who practices righteousness is born of him. So this uh, passage, we began in verse 25. It starts with the statement, this is the promise which he himself made to us, eternal life. So let's... Let's back up a little bit. In the previous passage, if you recall, um, John talks about two characteristics of antichrists, right? Not the antichrist. He's not referring to the antichrist in the book of Revelation. He's referring to antichrists uh, in the sense that anyone who's not for Christ. Remember, Jesus said, if you're, you're either for me or against me. Um, so two characteristics of antichrists are that Number one, they tend to fall away from the faith at some point. Not always, not universally. Some, sometimes uh, a non-believer or an antichrist uh, will go to their grave compl- proclaiming Jesus Christ, uh, but they were never truly saved. They never truly repented and put their faith in, in Christ and Christ alone. Um, but they do tend to fall away at some point. That's one characteristic of an antichrist. Another characteristic would be that they deny that Jesus is the Messiah. They deny the, the true character of Jesus, biblical Jesus, right? The Jesus of the Bible and everything that's written about him, everything he said about himself, they deny that Jesus, okay? And so he says in verse uh, 20 uh, of chapter 2, he says, uh, and you, he says, you have an anointing from the Holy One and you all know. In other words, you know all that you need to know for salvation. And then it says in verse 21, I have not written to you because you do not know the truth, but because you do know the truth, because you do know it, and because no lie is of the truth. So he's saying you know what you need to know for salvation. All the information has been given to you, given to us, right? Um, And so now here in, in verse 25, John is reminding believers who know the truth that if we, we remain in God's truth, that Jesus is the Messiah, 
that he was God incarnate who came to earth, live a, lived a perfect life, died for the sins of those who repent and believe. For those of us that believe that truth and remain in, in that truth, then he has promised us eternal life. Eternal life in heaven with him. Okay, that's what verse 25 is saying. And that is the perfect segue into this third characteristic of antichrists, right? Or false prophets, false teachers, right? And so in verse 26, that's when that's, he's going to get into this third characteristic. We talked about those two uh, in the previous section, and now we're going to get into this third one, starting in verse 26. It says, These things I have written to you concerning those who are trying to deceive you. They're trying to deceive you. Those who are anti-Christ attempt to deceive the faithful. Those who are anti-Christ attempt to deceive the faithful. Now, let me be clear. Not all non-believers are deliberately trying to deceive the faithful. Okay? Not all non-believers are doing it deliberately, this deception of God's people. Nevertheless, they do deceive. Just based on what they say, what they believe, um, the, 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 their opinions that they might be uh, expressing to believers, they are nevertheless deceiving the faithful. But what, is, what John is referring to here is actually the false teachers, the active false prophets, false teachers who infiltrate the church with the intention of deliberately deceiving the flock, with the intention of deliberately bringing them away from the truth of God. That's who John is referring to here. He's saying they're trying to deceive you, these false teachers. That's their intention. In other words, they they will enter a church, they'll join a fellowship, become part of the flock, and at some point, they will begin to question the teachings of the church, right? Just, you know, a little, little, uh, little questioning here and there. And there's nothing wrong with that, obviously, but uh, that's how it starts. It's very subtle, right? And that's just, just like what happened in the garden. Did God really say that? Did, that's, what, that's what Satan said to, to Eve. Did God really say that you will die? You will not die. And that's how that's how it begins. And, you know, there, again, there's nothing wrong with questioning teachings. There's nothing wrong with asking questions or saying, does it really say that? You know, I, I want to be I want to discern. I want to know that what I'm being taught is truth. And so there's nothing wrong with questioning the church. I did that a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot. When I first got saved, I asked questions galore. That's a good thing. But that's how it begins. And they they they, they slowly begin to 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 try to twist God's word and and teach things. They begin to teach things that just are not true. And ultimately, they start teaching complete heresy, right? False doctrine. And, you know, this doctrine that a lot of false teachers will teach, it, there's mostly, it's mostly true. You know, most of what they would be teaching is truth. But there's enough false doctrine in it to make it heresy. There's enough false teaching in it to make it damning heresy. 
I've seen this happen at my church, you know, at The Rock. And, I, you know, I'm not going to mention any names, but it's happened. I've, I've seen it. In fact, it, it happened uh, when I was a very young believer. And, and I watched how the church handled that uh, from a distance, obviously. I didn't know the, the inner goings-on of what was happening. But, yeah, I, that man was not uh, a part of our church uh, very much longer. So, so how does God protect his children from these false teachers with the, who have the intention of deceiving the faithful? How, how does God protect us? Well, number one would be his word, right? The Bible is filled with, with uh, commands to be in the word and, and to, to know God's word so that you can identify false teaching. But also in verse 27... Uh, it's with the anointing of the Holy Spirit, it says. Uh, In verse 27 reads, As for you, the anointing which you received from him abides in you, and you have no need for anyone to teach you. But but as his his anointing teaches you about all things, and is true, and is not a lie, and just as it has taught you, abide in him. So he says, the anointing which you receive from him abides in you, and you have no need for anyone to teach you. His anointing teaches you about all things. This anointing is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit teaches the believer. God's Holy Spirit guards the true believer and guides the true believer into his truth. Right? John 16, verses 12 through 14 says, I have many more things to say to you. This is Jesus talking. I have many more things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak on his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. And he will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, and he will take of mine, and will disclose it to you. Did you get that? When he, Jesus says, when he, the Spirit of truth, that's the Holy Spirit, when the the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all the truth. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 10 through 12 says, For to us God revealed them through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things even the depths of God. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the spirit of God. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. The Holy Spirit teaches us and gives us discernment. He's our teacher. He's our helper. I've seen so many new believers say that when they first got saved, or when God was in the process of transforming their hearts, you know, they didn't know who's teaching, who was teaching the truth. They would hear different teachers, and, and sometimes these teachings would be would contradict one another, and they didn't know which was true and which wasn't. How are they supposed to know? 
but they had powerful feelings about certain teachers where it was clear that the Holy Spirit was leading them away from these false teachers. They, they knew that, that, that certain teachers were just not teaching the Bible correctly. This intrinsic discernment that they had. I, I actually experienced that as well. My, uh, my mother was a Mormon for many years. And before I got saved, you know, I, I would listen. I would, I would kind of try to understand what they were teaching. Uh, but then when I heard the gospel and I, I, God started to work on my heart, I was still kind of listening and maybe even I was open to the idea that the Mormon church might have been the correct doctrine. But there was something tugging my heart away from that. And I couldn't explain it at the time. I may not even have been completely aware of it, but it was there. Looking back, it was totally there. And the Holy Spirit was pulling me towards correct doctrine, biblical teaching. He says, John says, the anointing which we received from him abides in us. And his anointing teaches us about all things. And it is true. And it is not a lie. So, let's remind ourselves about the context of this epistle. John was combating a heresy in the church that it was an early form of of what's called Gnosticism, right? Gnosticism. You've heard of of an agnostic. An agnostic is someone who says, well, maybe there's a God, but we cannot know him. Gnosticism says we can know him. Gnosis, that comes from the word gnosis, meaning to know. And so Gnosticism, these false teachers in the beginnings of Gnosticism were saying that they were anointed with a special knowledge about God. They knew things about God that regular people didn't. They were in the know. Gnosticism is what it eventually evolved to. And, and based on this supposed special knowledge of God, they were making false claims about Jesus, about his deity, about his humanity. They were making false claims about sin and uh, obedience, uh, you know, even love for the world. They were, they were making all these false claims about these things. Um, and and a lot, we've covered all of these things in First in John so far in, in our study. And to put it in today's setting, you know, we still see pastors and we still see teachers and others claim that they have special knowledge, special revelation about God, things that only they uh, have been told by God or things that only they know or certain people in their churches can ever know. You know, we've been given, we've been given his anointing. The Holy Spirit teaches us, it guards us, it guides us into an understanding of who God is and what he says in the Bible. That's what we're told. That's what the Bible says. There is no special knowledge or special revelation about God. That all disappeared when we, when, when we were given the Bible by God. So, so this idea that there's certain people who, who uh, God reveals certain things to them and only them, it's false. It's just false. 
We've been given His anointing, the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit teaches the true believer, guards the heart of the true believer, and guides the true believer into, into an understanding of God and His kingdom. All right, let's look at the second section of this passage, starting in verse 28. It says, Now, little children, abide in Him, so that when He appears, we may have confidence and not shrink away from Him in shame at His coming. If you know that He is righteous, you know that everyone also who practices righteousness is born of Him. To abide, you know, he says abide in, uh, in Him, abide in Him, abide in God. Uh, to abide refers to persevering, right? In this case, persevering in the faith of salvation. And this perseverance is evidence of our salvation, right? He says, and when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink away from him in shame at his coming. Because we have persevered. And we have, we'll have confidence when he returns. The, this, the hope of Christ's return, Christ, uh, Jesus' return, it gives the believer hope as we long for the glorious future prepared for us. Paul called those who, who have loved, uh, he, I'm sorry, Paul called us those who have loved his appearing. He said that in 2 Timothy 4. And he said that those who love his appearing will be crowned with eternal righteousness. We can't wait, right? We can't wait for him to come back. We are saved. We are right with God, and we cannot wait for him for Jesus to return. John MacArthur said this. He said, uh, "Those who truly abide, those who truly abide in God, continue in faith and in fellowship with the saints. We persevere. We persevere. And you know the contrast of this is given in." Uh, in Matthew 13, in the parable of the soils, right? Jesus said that there will be some who will receive God's word with joy. But then when affliction comes, they fall away. When, it becomes, when that faith becomes difficult, they fall away. They leave the faith. That's the, the rocky soil in that parable. And then there will be those who hear but but their their worldly worldliness their love of the world or their love of money uh things of the world their love of those things will cause them to leave the faith and of course there's those who uh, there are those to whom the gospel never penetrates their heart because the enemy snatches it away gospel never even gets to their heart And then there's the good soil, those who abide in Christ. And they abide in Christ no matter what the cost. These are those who obey Jesus. They obey Jesus even when it's not popular. They abide in Christ even when it causes hardship or when it, costs, it would cost them dearly, right? I know... People who have lost loved ones, you know, um, 
children, adult children who don't speak to them anymore because of their faith in Christ. That's a high cost. I can't imagine, I can't imagine going through something like that. But these are the people who abide in Christ. These are the people who have been promised eternal life. Everyone who practices righteousness and abides in Christ is promised eternal life. It's difficult, you know. I mean, we're called to love, right? We're called to love. I mean, even in First John, the, the call to love is is very prevalent. He says, "If you don't, if you do not love, you're you're not of God." And yet, there are those who hate us because of our faith, and it could be hard to persevere. Um, but we are given that strength by the Holy Spirit to persevere. We are given that strength to abide in Christ no matter what. So to sum up, as we close, uh, to sum up, those, those of us who persevere, we've been promised eternal life. We have the anointing of the Holy Spirit, and so we do not need to listen to those who contradict God's word. Because we have the anointing of the Holy Spirit who teaches us. We persevere. We have the anointing of the Holy Spirit. We abide in Him. We, and we obey Him no matter what the cost. So, that's the end of chapter 2. And we will continue in chapter 3 next time. Love you guys. Talk to you soon.